I'm Vicky Iglikoski. I work at the National Archives as a Diverse Histories Record Specialist. That involves researching and promoting historically hidden history narratives. So essentially, for that reason, I work a lot on LGBT history in the past. The letter we have here is from a raid on the caravan club that was found within the premises. The caravan club itself is a kind of notorious place in, well, on the fringes of Soho, which essentially was open for a very limited amount of time, about six weeks in 1934. It's described as London's greatest bohemian rendezvous. As they were kind of private members clubs, they were almost seen as kind of brothels because there was a charge on the door and there was often sexual activity happening inside. In 1934, uh, homosexual acts in public and private uh, between men are criminalised in the eyes of the law. They can lead uh, people to being imprisoned and vilified by their families and isolated. So very much in terms of the law, it is illegal for two men to have sexual relationships. However, for women at the time, it, it wasn't acknowledged in terms of the law. Um, so that while there wasn't any legislation, um, it was arguably kind of pushed even further underground um, the visibility of uh, women having same-sex relationships. It's interesting as well to note that complaints, for example, from the ratepayers of Endell Street in 1934 do pick up on lesbians. So there was a wider acknowledgement, if, even if it wasn't in the law, but through the public, that women were also having relationships with other women in this place and in this club. But in terms of the policing, what the police were looking for in terms of evidence were, uh, was very much about men's relationships. The surveillance was really by undercover police officers going into the caravan, which was a very kind of controversial police method at the time. They would pretend to be clientele in the club, they would speak to people there um, as if they were just going for a night out and enjoying themselves. And through that, they were able to record what people were saying within the venue um, and gather various pieces of what would have been incriminating evidence. So they, they note things like uh, men dancing with men, women dancing with women. And from these observations and complaints from members of the public, such as the ratepayers of Endell Street, they eventually raided the venue in August, uh, 26th of August, 1934. This letter is a letter written by Cyril to Morris. It was essentially found in the caravan club and taken as a piece of uh, incriminating evidence because it was a, lo a love letter written between two men. Um, so just to read out a little bit of it. My darling Morris, just a note which I feel I must write or should I say type to you. I was very, very disappointed to find out that you were not coming to the club tonight. As ever since I phoned you on Monday and made arrangements, I just lived for tonight when I was to have seen you, darling. As a matter of fact, I stayed in bed all day yesterday. Didn't even get up to eat and just thought of you and counting the hours until I should see you. And then the terrible shock of not being with you after all. So some of this, this language emphasises the importance of some of the queer spaces like the Caravan Club. The letter uh, closes um, with the, the lines, I only wish that I was going away with you, just you and I, to eat, sleep and make love together, perhaps when you 
are away, you will think of me sometimes and even write me. I sincerely hope so. So these letters really are one example of the kind of evidence that was gathered, but actually more common were the kind of observations and the notes um, that were taken of what people were actually saying. Uh, we do also find in, in the records there are lots of mentions to things that don't ultimately survive. Things like powder puffs that in the kind of eyes of the, the police and the state at the time were seen to be signs of effeminacy, which was very much associated with being a homosexual characteristic. Multiple people went through this very humiliating ritual of, of having their faces tested for, for makeup um, during the raid. So I think many of the men in the observations were um, described as having uh, rouged faces, powdered faces, and then, yeah, ultimately that was, that was tested for um, by police. Cyril Coeur de Leon, Cyril the Lionheart. He makes multiple visits to the Caravan Club. He's kind of identified quite strongly by police in the files. He was quite uh, flamboyantly dressed. Police note the thickly powdered uh, makeup and rouge lips. And all of this kind of captures the police attention. Um, they note he's an effeminate type, um, is, is the words that they use. So it's all of this that I think um, really makes him dominate some of, the, some of the files and his kind of bold, resilient uh, reactions to, to being uh, kind of policed in this space and the, the way he kind of talks back to, to police essentially. He's actually been kind of quite defiant and resilient to the police. But he does say to the police quite openly, well, I don't mind this beastly raid, but I would like to know if you can let me have one of your nice boys to come home with me. So he is, yeah, he is definitely a dominant person in the caravan. Um, so to have these letters relating to his, um, his kind of more personal side of his character is really interesting. Through the, the research on kind of queer spaces in the 20s and 30s um, that I've done, it's been really clear uh, that there's a number of spaces that did allow a sense of freedom and there's a real kind of contradiction there that within those spaces they seem to be very free, very open, very defiant. Um, and yet, obviously, ultimately, they were very vulnerable spaces. Um, and the evidence that Cyril's letter provides shows how vulnerable people were, that just by writing about their feelings uh, to another man, they were then seen to potentially be um, kind of well, vulnerable to being kind of criminalised. Um, so, for example, another letter, letter from Cyril, he writes to Billy, who is actually William Reynolds, the owner or one of the owners of the caravan. Um, and this is actually after the original raid, but it's in the follow-up proceedings uh, when they're trying to trace Billy that Cyril's writing about his own sense of identity and how he's only been queer since he's come to London about two years ago. And that's particularly interesting um, because we very rarely get a sense of how people self-define in their own mm -hmm. words. Um, and ideally, we'd always know that when we're looking back in the past because... Uh, we often only get a snapshot into people's lives and often it's through the criminal records so it might just be a moment. 
So the fact that Cyril self-identifies as, as queer is really, really powerful, I think. And it's also interesting that he does speak about still liking girls occasionally, um, as well as, as he says, having affairs with men. So it, it also kind of highlights, I'd say, an even more hidden element of sexuality, which is the bisexuality yes. in the records. In one of uh, Cyril's letters, he actually ends by saying, uh, please be a bit a dear boy and destroy this note. And I think that in itself is incredibly poignant to know that that letter now survives in a police record. And it's kind of the, it, I guess it makes you feel quite uncomfortable working with these records, that they provide an amazing insight into personal queer experiences in the past that we just wouldn't know in people's own words otherwise. And yet, these individuals seemingly didn't want them, these records, to survive, yes. particularly because of the implications. And, and the persecution they could face if they were yeah. discovered, which, um, as we've seen. It's two years almost since we first met. Then I was crazy about you but you just seemed to disappear and I never saw you for months and I tried to forget and now since seeing you it has all started again and I just had to let you know how I felt. Please do not think I am foolish, Morris, but I love you such a lot. So please, if you do not feel this way to me, promise that we shall always be the best of friends. And he, he just talks about being very kind of um, really missing uh, Morris because ultimately Morris doesn't come to the club that night. Uh, the letter opens saying, I was very, very disappointed to find out that you were not coming to the club tonight. Um, so ultimately Cyril's left very disappointed, but for Morris, this happens to actually be on the night of the raid and he's then saved <clears throat> from um, from that kind of police persecution when he's in the club on that, on that occasion. So... It is absolutely very, very timeless and very poignant. To our knowledge, in, at least in this instance, uh, Morris avoids being arrested because he doesn't turn up, but who knows um, if he was going to these kind of clubs and spaces, it, that it certainly might have been the case that um, he did interact with the law um, eventually. Um, with Cyril, he um, is eventually found not guilty, um, but... The owners um, of the of the venue are both sentenced to hard labour for twenty and then twelve months, uh, respectively. So, so there are some kind of serious consequences to this. So, the fact that um, that Cyril and Morris were willing to go to these spaces in itself is is a really kind of bold um, move in this context. Well, Morris Darling, I must ring off now and pray that I may see you on Saturday. I only wish that I was going away with you, just you and I to eat, sleep and make love together. Perhaps when you are away, you will think of me sometimes and even write me. I sincerely hope so. Well, Morris Darling, until we meet, I am yours with all my love forever and always.
This podcast is copyright to the National Archives, all rights reserved. It is available for reuse under the terms of the Open Government Licence.